0: I'm going to try my dandest, mic, but I'm going to be fangirling all over this movie.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all. So now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey, everybody, we are talking about possibly the best thing to come out of 2020 today. Yes, sir. Uh, That is the Matthew Lawrence comedy, horror, punk rock movie, Uncle Peckerhead, starring Chet Siegel, Jeff Riddle, and my favorite person of the year, David Littleton, as Peckerhead.
0: Man, that guy is gonna go down in like cinema history as like a classic character. Yeah, he is. To me, he comes off as like I don't know, uh, like uh Lenny from Mice and Men. Yeah. Yeah. And like a really like, I don't know, a essential cartoon werewolf from like L- Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. He's he's perfect. Every line he has is quotable. Yeah. Movie.
1: So this is a super low-budget film, a micro-budget film released in August of 2020. Not sure if there was any theatrical release at all, but then it went to video on demand.
0: It hit one festival. It hit yeah. one festival, and it was like COVID hit, and we all know what happened.
1: As a special, special episode... We had the opportunity to interview writer-director Matt Lawrence, and uh, he'll he'll be popping up here at points
0: throughout the the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. He's so awesome.
1: Yeah, he's a really great guy, very approachable, very accessible, and willing to sit down with a couple of guys who don't really know much about making a podcast and, and just answer questions for a while. It was great. Uh, we had a a wonderful time talking with him, and we'll share that as as we go through this. Uh, like I said, written and directed by Matt Lawrence, he's made a number of short films. One, Larry Gone Demon, which is a spiritual prequel or whatever to to this movie.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a predecessor. It's it's very required uh, viewing. If you love this movie, go see that short film. Right, right, it takes
1: place in the same in the same vein and and has some of the same people in it, yeah, loves making micro budget films this is this is what Matt does, it's what he studied, it's what he wants to do, and he's damn good at it,
0: yeah, he's brilliant, this guy's brilliant, he knows what he's doing,
1: yeah. So, uh, the cast, we have Chet Siegel as Judy. She's been in a number of short lived TV series, including Search Party and The Last Two People on
0: Earth. And she's brilliant in this. Uh, I just love her. She has that kind of like, I don't know, like that. Uh, she downplays a lot of her things, but she, like you, no matter who you are, you relate to this character.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And her energy for whatever she's doing is absolutely perfect. Yeah. I love and her. She turns it up just exactly the right amount, and she turns it down just exactly the right amount, and it's it's wonderful.
0: It comes across really good.
1: Uh, Ruby McAllister as Mel. She's played bit parts in a bunch of shows you've probably never heard of. I've, I've never heard I've, of I've them.
0: I've seen her in uh, a couple of shows, a movie or two. Yeah, I love her. In this movie especially, I I feel so kindred to her. Like my reaction to most of the stuff is her in this movie.
1: Oh as, yeah, she's she's an Eeyore.
0: She yeah, she's the most well-rounded. Well, to me, well-rounded person in the cast. Yeah, like, I, like this is my point of view of everything. And uh, yeah, she does a really good job as the drummer. And like you know, she 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 has uh, uh, what is it, huspa? Yeah, you know.
1: And Jeff Riddle as Max. Now he created all of the music for this movie. Both for Duh and for the other band in the movie Dominion Rising,
0: we won't talk about them. <laughs>
1: oh, we're gonna talk about them. Oh,
0: man, okay. <laughs> but, but I love Jeff Riddle. Uh, i could been to his stuff, and uh, like I'm excited about whatever this guy puts out. And he in this this character, he does it, man. He he pulls everything through. This guy's yeah. a true
1: now. So so this is a movie about a uh, struggling independent punk rock band and we did get to see some performances and and they're kind of reminiscent of the pixies
0: oh yeah i like yeah that uh that weird uh where it's like pre-grunge or maybe post-grunge or whatever was like that kind of like punk era uh, pixies and that whole thing
1: right so the movie opens up with some text on the screen based on a true story we did talk to matt and he told us where that comes from.
2: What's up, guys? How's it going?
1: So I guess the first question I had is, where'd the concept for this movie come from?
2: Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's kind of a mix of a bunch of different ideas that were swirling around. Um, I'd been developing a kind of like a short form series, something that would go on Adult Swim, about a uh, three-piece punk band that was living in this like dirty row house, with this and it was it it was never explained uh they were just living with this uh hillbilly tweaker and he would act as this i i I always described it as kind of a punk rock full house meets a a hillbilly mr belvedere and there, there were no like horror elements involved um but like you know each week they would run into some conflict and and peckerhead would help to solve that problem Um, So I'd been developing that. And I had also been just like writing kind of uh, a a script about tour experiences from being in bands. And my friend Jeff, who played Max in the movie and wrote all the music, we had kind of compiled a bunch of stories from from our experiences and our friends. And then uh, I'd been making horror movies. So I just kind of took all three of these ideas I'd been developing and kind of did this, this, this mashup of, of these things that really like weren't seeing the light of day. And I was like, why not just kind of mix them all together? And somehow for the first time it's ever happened, like in my writing, it it kind of worked just taking these disparate elements and and kind of putting them together. Next, we see a corpse on
1: the ground at night with a van parked nearby.
0: Oh, man, they did a great job on that corpse.
1: That corpse was awesome. We see a hand reach down and grab a hold of the jawbone. And then a bloody man walking away as he eats the last of the meat off that bone. Then he gets in the van and drives away. That's great. Next, we cut to Judy's last day at her job. She works in a bakery, and her boss, Scott, wants to commemorate the day by taking turns saying what they appreciate about Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I was never that bad to work for, was I? You can be honest.
0: No, sir. No, man. <laughs> Hell, we got you a okay?
1: cake. That's true.
0: <laughs> it was kind of reminiscent. Of his heart. It hits hard. It hits home, doesn't it? It, it? it does.
1: So Judy's clearly uncomfortable with all of this and, and she's trying to sneak out as her boss, Scott, is singing the praises of her scones. And, and you can tell uh, through this that, you know, Scott has always had a crush on judy
0: oh yeah you look yeah. at him yeah, and
1: of she's always never responded to that
0: well she responded by trying to get away from scott that's how she yeah
1: responds. then it's doris's turn and i love doris oh and we all
0: love Doris, right
1: <laughs> doris says judy i wouldn't feed your macaroons to my dog <laughs> Still, I respect your work ethic and don't wish you any specific harm.
0: Don't harm all that. But, you know, hey, you showed up. You worked your shift. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I wish you well. Yeah.
1: So Judy basically at this point, she she actually tr- set off the chime as she opened up the front door trying to sneak away. But she finally, she she just says, look, guys, I got to go and runs out of the store. He's
0: been eyeballing this place across the street like the entire time they're talking.
1: Right. There's two guys on a ladder changing the sign on the House of Independence, which is a music venue right across the street. And they're taking one of the band names off the sign. Well, Judy runs over there to talk to Amir, the guy who owns the club. And you can tell just by the way he first reacts to
0: her that she's been
1: harassing the hell out of him
0: forever. She works across the street. Of course, she's harassing this guy here. <laughs> what means? What do you mean, Shark Dicks off the fucking stage? I mean, what's going on? You know, I thought they were gonna play.
1: The band names are awesome.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, I love every band name that pops up in this. It's like, on all the T-shirts, like everybody's like wearing other bands' T-shirts. It's like cross promotion. I don't know, but if Shark Dick, that's the real band, man. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear that. There are some clever band names in this movie.
1: Yeah, so we asked Matt about the band names, and here's what he had to say about that.
0: So like the the band names and stuff. There's like that one little part where it's like uh, it has like all the mockups and stuff. Yeah, and uh, whenever they're at the the venue talking about who you know who's playing, who's not playing. Did 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 you? pick those out are they like real band names or like are they like inside jokes
2: yeah i mean it's it's really yeah i mean it's kind of an inside joke in that my wife and i we play music and we like whenever we're kind of just killing time we'll just i mean we'll just pick up an instrument uh and and play not well but we'll play and whenever we're like, "Oh, we should start a band," and we're always like, "We should start a different genre band. So we're like, "We should do a thrash metal band, or we should do like this type of band." So when we when we say like what genre, then we have to come up with the, the perfect name for that for that band.: oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are just like some bands that that we came up with. There's actually like a ton that like didn't make it into the movie, but we have like <laughs> we have notebooks of just like you know potential band names.
1: The artists' names are pretty awesome, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got the band names. We got Shark Dick and uh, the Queef Queens, and the cover art for Does demo tape was done by a local artist named Marshmallow Dix.
0: Oh man, I've heard of those guys. I actually, uh, I, I follow them. They're they're pretty cool.
1: Definitely a middle school heir to
0: all the band names. Well, those are the best bands. I don't know when, when me growing up, I I love that like independence.
1: So. Yeah, Judy gives Amir her demo on cassette. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Hell yeah.
1: As a lifelong avid cassette collector, I've been collecting tapes since 1979. I support the decision to go with the cassette tapes. Analog. Um, hey. Yeah. Well, Judy gives Amir the demo tape and starts pushing to get her band, duh, the opening slot on the upcoming Queef Queen show. Uh, Amir says whatever he thinks
0: will get rid of her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, baby, <laughs> yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. Give me the thing. Don't call me. Do not call me. I'll call you. Yeah, but give me the thing.
1: She says she'll call him uh, the next day, and he says if you call me before Friday, I'm throwing your demo away and never listening to it. it. I'll throw
0: it right out. I swear to God.
1: Judy blocks off, walks off, celebrating.
0: Hell yeah. She
1: returns home to the house of duh. I love and that. And there's an eviction notice on
0: the door. I love that too. That is yeah. so rock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is punk rock all the way, yeah.
0: At this point, I knew that I was like in like this weird world where it was like the monkeys and this band was gonna take me on a magical journey.
1: Yeah. The only thing that would make this more punk rock is if they had been evicted three months ago and the landlord had taken the door off their apartment and they just hung a blanket over.
0: I've I've been in that situation. I know what you speak. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she goes inside. Max is passed out on the floor. God bless him. Max was supposed to clean the place up and that didn't happen because, you um, know, yeah, he um, got high
0: a little bit. Yeah.
1: And then he got hungry because he was high.
0: Yes, that's how that happened.
1: So he ate something and that made him tired As so he went do. to
0: sleep. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> I bought into Max right there. This is this is my guy.
0: He's the human equivalent of Winnie the Pooh or some shit. He's he's just there. Yeah. He, he does he does, Max.
1: So they've planned out their six show 7-day tour which is basically following the interstate around New Jersey.
0: Yeah. To get rent money. Right. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, they get they got to pay the bills.
1: And then they get super excited when Judy explains that there's a possibility of a seventh show opening for the Queef Queens and their drummer owns a record label and they're going to be famous.
0: I love the chick that plays the drummer. Uh, was Jen Jenner, I think, is the name of the character or something like that. I yep. love her. She, oh man, I, I know a chick that looks like her. <laughs> She's really cool, man. Yeah. They
1: do their bouncy group hug in the middle of the apartment.
0: I love that. And
1: the next thing we see is a slow-mo exiting the apartment to start the tour. And they're headed down the sidewalk toward their van. Judy and Max are talking about what Max is going to say when they're on stage. And this is where we learned that Max cannot talk.
0: He's got stage fright.
1: Yeah, he's got massive stage fright, and when he gets stage fright, he gets diarrhea of the mouth.
0: But also, this is also where you see Max totally face plant.
1: He tripped over something and then face first into the sidewalk, and just pops up with blood all over his face. I'm fine. My face yeah. broke my fall.
0: I, that's I love that. It, it's like all right. So this is that's the rule. The, all right. This is that kind of cartoony universe. People faceplant, and it's no no big deal. Right. I'm, I'm finding in on this. I love this. Yeah. It reminds me of like, evil death. Yeah.
1: They're looking for their van, and they find it parked on the street. It's, but yeah. it's being yeah. repossessed. Do we know those guys? Yeah, two guys see them coming. They hop in the van, and they take off. So now we're going on tour, except we don't have a van anymore.
0: Yeah. We don't have an apartment, and, man. Right. It's a dire, dire strait.
1: So they do the only thing that any sane person would do. They start papering all the cars in the neighborhood with signs saying, Can we borrow your car to go on tour?
0: I'm, I wouldn't say sane, but any person that's in, ever been in a band would do is yeah. like, Yeah. It'll, can I borrow your van? Please let me borrow your van. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring it back. I'll put gas in. I promise. <laughs> Two, three days max.
1: Well, they put their last sign on this old van parked in an alleyway. And as they're walking off, somebody comes out of that van and he's upset that they put this sign on his van because, well, this van happens to be his home.
0: Oh man. I love that way that he does it. It's like they put the the thing, the flyer on the van, they walk away. I was like, that's it. You know, good luck. But like, like, they don't even show him like reaching out and getting it off. It's like he just comes out the back of the van, like explodes.
1: Yeah, like just busts out the back doors.
0: With the flyer in his hand. It's like, hey, what's up? What do you think you're doing? You know? Yeah. It's fucking it's awesome the way they film it. It's it's so cool.
1: This is our first view of Peckerhead, as we're certain to learn his name is. Because, well, he doesn't want to go on tour with him at first, or maybe or does Judy turn him
0: down? No, he starts talking about, like, how he's oppressed and, like, you know. He's That's a, right. Down by the, the river. And yeah. Like, like, they they split. They're like, yeah, we, we have no time for that, dude. We we need a van. They did like, a, he,
1: a last day at the bakery thing on him, and while he was talking, they just snuck off.
0: But he called them cops. They do that little poop, poop and he's yep. like, ooh. He's like, I got to get out of town, right? Got to get
1: out of here. So he hops in the van and comes around the corner and catches up with Judy and Max and says, look, I'll I'll be your roadie and I'll drive you around. You can't have my van, but I'll drive you around and I'll be your roadie if you'll just chip in for gas.
0: Hell yeah, man. I mean, look, it's like a whole van. You can put like stick people in there. It's all cool. Just get my man and let's go. So they do it.
1: Hell because yeah. Who
0: wouldn't? Hell yeah. They go pick up the rest
1: of the van. This is where we. Uh, somebody asks uh, their new roadie what his name is. He explains that his name is Peckerhead, uh, Pe- but his friends call him Peck. Peck. You can call me Peck if you want. To. Peckerhead is played by David Littleton, and we asked Matt about
2: casting David for this role. The crazy thing with David is that uh, like we had been casting for that role. That was the role that like we couldn't find anybody, and we had done for a micro-budget film. Like we didn't really do a ton of casting we spent like three or four days, which is like forever. And that's like, you know, you're especially like we were only paying for like lunch for, for people. So it's like, you know, only like you're only spending like 20 or 40 bucks a day. But that's still like everything for us. Um, so like we didn't find anyone. And David just sent in. He was living in, or he was working in Florida at the time, sent in a tape. And I'm telling you, like his tape with no direction was that character. Like, he oh, just fair. yeah, he was just spot on. Just got it.
1: Max puts a tape in the tape deck because, well,
0: what band doesn't have a tape deck? Astro bands come standard with tape deck, I think, still to this day.
1: And Judy overrules his choice of driving music.
0: Totally rejects his mix.
1: Yeah. As they're uh, headed to their first show, Judy wants Peck to drive faster, but he's worried about the cops.
0: You don't want to take it, you know, our first night out on your first gig. You know, you don't want to, like, you know, spook everybody. We'll get there. We got plenty of time.
1: They get to the VFW Hall, and uh, Lodeon's supposed to be at 5 o'clock, but nobody...
0: See, right here is where I knew the maker of this movie had experience being in the band, in the band life, because that always happens. Every time, yeah. Every time. Yeah, Especially at VFW.
1: Well, Judy is sitting in the van, and she's looking in the glove box, and she finds maybe Peck's insulin. Maybe. Maybe his heroin rig. Not Maybe. exactly sure.
0: He's very neat about it if it is his rig. But yeah, yeah. If they, what is this? This is they know, what is this? Uh, OK, I'm going to put it back. Whatever.
1: So, so we're starting to see as if the homeless guy wasn't red flag enough. We're starting to see some more red flags with potentially drug use. They were loading their stuff in the back of Peck's van, and and Judy spotted a little blood spot on the bumper, too. So she's getting really suspicious about Peck, but nobody else.
0: Everybody's kind of like, you know, whatever. You're on the road, so it's like, you know, you're in that mindset.
1: Well, the promoter finally shows up at the VFW Hall and tells Judy that the sound guy doesn't arrive until 9, and they're the only band booked that night. Can they do three hours? uh but they've only I, got 22 minutes of of material have you ever heard
0: a punk band man <laughs> i mean,
1: i i've been to I, I know you have too jesse we've been to some of these basement shows where you see 12 bands for five dollars in two and a half hours
0: yes sir you know uh you know that they their sets are not as long as the hot dog and that guy's desk right <laughs> You get I mean, up there, a, you play um,
1: one to three one, songs,
0: and you're done. And it's only like four chords, too. It's like that's it. He's a bad uh I don't know, manager. He's a bad promoter. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, I, I don't. I don't agree with his politics. No, nope.
1: right. Well, the sound guy finally shows up. We do get to see some of the sound check, and uh, again, this is how you know Matt Lawrence has been in a band because we've all encountered this jerkwad sound guy
0: also that is a classic vfw sound check that's how they go every time everyone i've been to it's all like yeah no yeah
1: (laughs) 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 jesse you asked matt about where he found these sets because this vfw hall was so true to life
0: i love the like locations in the movie like the that restaurant with the statue the the vfw man i like this i used to be a roadie and i remember those vfws you know yeah and i like uh i just love your locations like did you like go out and like look those up like online or just like know no
2: no you- like That that is where I grew up. So those were all the all of my old haunts of like when I was in bands, where I would play or where where I would go to shows. The the, like the main venue at the end, House of Independence, uh, is a real venue that my younger brother uh, used to book shows there. Um, Obviously, it's not open right now. But yeah, I mean, like these were all places that like either I grew up kind of going to shows or I, I played those venues or I have friends or like family members that, that work at those venues. So that is it is basically like a tour of like central New Jersey, Philadelphia and uh, and some parts of Brooklyn. The first location that we sh- or the first location in the movie where the guy's jaw gets ripped out uh, is actually in the back. My mom te- or my mom used to teach at a, uh, a middle school and the, the the vice principal allowed us to shoot in the back because it has this like really kind of creepy alleyway kind of yeah. vibe um so we shot there i mean we 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 shot like every i mean like vfw halls uh like i have an uncle who works for like the township right next door to where i grew up so like he's kind of like you know an unofficial mayor type person so he would like call up you know like like a buddy and be like, hey, the, these kids need to use a, your parking lot. Can you close it down for a few hours? I mean, this was really <laughs> kind of like a bunch of like, you know, people from town kind of helping us, helping us make a movie. It was very kind of like a yeah, esque thing. There's only three people showed up for their show.
1: They're basically pe- playing for a practically empty house because the people who were there aren't paying any attention to them at all.
0: It's just three drunk old guys, and I think two of them are direct or like related to the director. So it's, yeah, it's like it's a classic BFW gag, right? You know, you know, you, you townies.
1: Well, after the show, the promoter gives Judy their cut of the take three dollars, a dollar per head. Hey, and well, Peck's not too happy about this, so he's going to go back in to use the restroom and the, the, band all decide to wait in the van
0: i like how he does that he's like oh man uh what time is it it's about midnight he's like oh oh my stomach you know he's like uh excuse me i gotta go you know it's like right all right Right. uh, okay you know don't you know
1: well judy's anxious to get on the road and so after a while she goes back in to find out where peck is turns out he has killed the promoter and he's eating the guy's internal organs.
0: He totally eviscerated this guy like a Cuisinart.
1: Yeah, he's got him laid out on the pool table or or on his desk or whatever it is, and, and laid open. He's just chowing down. It's
0: so fucking gross.
1: Well, she screams when she sees this. That scares Peck. Hey. And then we see, yeah, it's
0: like uh, it's like when you yell at a cat and the cat. that. <laughs> <laughs> You others. just like, caught oh,
1: you just caught a puppy who is chowing down on a chocolate cake and you yelled his name and he
0: just er? and that's what we see with peck except he's all covered with blood. It's kind of innocent. It's yeah, it's it is. Oh. And um <laughs> yeah, man. That lady uh that plays Judy at the cigar man, she she really not, like I love her expression when she sees that too. Yeah. She Tells that just like shock and all It's like, what the fuck? And oh my God, at the same time. She
1: emotes so well. I mean, she can act with just her face. Yeah. and, And does a great job of it. Well, they try to get away, but Peck has the keys to the van and he tries to smooth things over. He tells them that he just wanted to rough up the promoter, that it wasn't right that he was doing them that way. Judy explains, tells the guy, the rest of the band that Peck killed the promoter. So they all go in to see.
0: Yeah, he's like, he keeps on like, I did not.
1: And then the next thing you see, they're all trying to keep from puking as they're staring at the promoter's guts scattered all over his office. Max totally pukes. Max definitely pukes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Max pukes and he tries to
1: hold it back several times, which is worse than just letting it go. Yeah.
0: It's like uh, uh oh and it's kind of like a like, cat ooh, 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 ooh. Oh god, like everybody's reaction in that scene is classic. Um, like poke the dick or something too. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Where's that the dick? Oh, that's a rib. Oh, oh god, that's a rib. <laughs> reaction in that mm-hmm. scene is fucking classic.
1: So, Judy wants them to go their separate ways right now, but Peck still wants thinks he can make this okay. Thinks he can make it okay. Just let me buy you dinner
0: and we'll go
1: get you dinner. Calm down. And if after after you hear me out, if you still want to call it quits, then that's what we'll do. Fair's fair. So they go to a diner and. Peck apologizes for killing the promoter without running
0: it by them first.
1: (laughs) That's going to be a better option than just killing the guy.
0: He had a good argument. That guy was a total dick.
1: He was. He was. So Peck explains to them that every night at midnight for 13 minutes... He turns into a cannibalistic monster.
0: We don't know what it is. He just calls it the thing. It's just yep. the, the thing. It's a condition. It
1: could be a demon. It could be a Jekyll and Hyde thing. It could be uh a who knows. But really good only, only lasts thirteen minutes. Thirteen minutes ish ish. And then it's over. It's over. Well, that's when Judy asks if Peck is diabetic.
0: Why would you say that?
1: Well, she's got his syringe. Oh! Yeah. Max and, and Mel immediately jump to the conclusion that Peck is a heroin addict. But Peck it, explains that this is what he uses to sedate himself every night before midnight so that he's he can control this monster that causes him to
0: eat people. It keeps it at bay. So this is kind of
1: Uh, an addict story, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've got got it under control is exactly what he says.
0: It's so, like, I I don't want to say blatant because, like, you know, if if you're not into the, like, tropes and movies and stuff, but, yeah, it's like that whole hidden, like, addiction, living with addiction, like, type thing.
1: Right. It (laughs) is the CBS after-school special about the girl with the diet pills. It is the Lifetime movie about the the guy who beats up
0: on his wife, it's all of those things it, it, it's not it's like no it's really well, and that's why I love the movie, and they're like, I'm gonna go out on limb, man. it's probably the best movie we've done it is I like it this is not a, this is a great movie. it's yeah. just no more people need to hear about it more people need to see it and witness it
1: exactly I mean it is a low budget film, but it's Probably the best made low budget film that
0: we I've ever seen pound for pound that that scene right there in the diner just that 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 dude that location with that statue over his shoulder, yeah, it's beautiful it's like it's like so much it adds so much production value that one scene is like just perfect, and the way that uh uh David littleton uh Packerhead, the way he performs that fucking character in that scene. It's, it's really touching I mean that's great
1: this was this scene here was actually David Littleton's audition and Matt told us a little bit about shooting this scene
2: so when we were shooting in the diner that Jesse was talking about that that's an amazing diner but we we were just not making our day and we were like dragging ass that day so we shot all of does side. So like we went through like the, the three shot of the three of them at the diner, we went through like everything. And then when we started to set up for David's side for Peck's like, you know, and that's like a six minute scene, uh, the, the manager of that restaurant and God bless them. They let us, you know, shoot there for free. And like, they were really great, very accommodating. But he said like, listen, I'm like, we're, you guys have like taken more than, than what you asked for. So uh, you've got like 30 minutes, right? So we still had set up. We still had to set up lights and stuff. So I I went over to David and I'm like, David, like, I, I I don't want to sandbag you. Like, I don't want to surprise you with this. So we're only going to be able to get maybe two takes of this of this scene. And dude, he nailed it on the first fucking take. Like, <laughs> didn't miss a word. Didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss. a. I mean, like, I've never seen somebody be able to like, especially with comedy, be able to like get his pacing, his rhythm, his timing down. And do it within like two takes. David never went over probably four or five takes for anything, which is like, I mean, the dude's a magician.
0: I love his delivery. Every line he delivers. It's like, I don't know, man. It's just yeah, flawless. Peck's going buy-
2: to go pay the bill
1: now and let Max and Mel and Judy talk things over. And uh, yeah, yeah. He gives them a cut of the money too, that he got from the promoter as well. Did
0: he has yeah, got a wad of it? Also, those, are. Uh, Those strawberries on that those uh pancakes. Yeah. Those are huge thing. Like he really like went all up the bacon's fat. He gave him all this food. He's got all this money. He's promising showers. When you're in a van, a shower is like a gold at the end of the rainbow.
1: Yeah, exactly. We've got we got enough money for gas and food and maybe even a shower. Which I mean, that's that's classic homeless guy right there.
0: But you know, that's you know, that's basic needs, you know. That's hey, what what do you want <laughs> like, you know, oh man, cheeseburger paradise. Right. Uh, a couple of beers and a bed and a shower. Yeah. Sign me up.
1: So Peck goes to pay the bill. Uh Mel and Max are all in favor of giving Peck another chance. Judy says no, but it's a two to one vote, so she loses. Let's go to the next spot. They end up getting a hotel room that night. Mel didn't, or Max didn't sleep. Apparently,
0: yeah, she's got like all her stuff, all the band's equipment, like just the couch wedged up under the door, and she's just staring at it the whole time.
1: Yeah. Well, Mel and Judy are are both awake now. It's morning. Mel wants to know what happened to Peck when he was possessed, and what's and he it look was... like? What did? Yeah. What it? What happened? What'd you see? Judy asked Mel if she's afraid of Peck. But Mel says no because he's got a system in place, or maybe she doesn't fear death anymore because, well, she's the emo chick.
0: Yeah, she's totally gone. I love that. It's like she's just like (laughs) totally detached. She plays great drums. Yeah, she does.
1: Well, Peck and Max are in another room.
0: Peck is brushing
1: his teeth, and Max is sitting on the toilet right next to him, pooping.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's another. uh, That's totally life on the road. It's like, oh, uh, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do.
1: Max wants to know what people taste like. And Peck explains that some people taste like dog shit, while other people taste like
0: watermelon sherbet. That's like a metaphor for humanity or something.
1: As a general rule, I'm not a picky eater. But I think that's probably yeah. one thing that would not be on my list of things I'd like to try.
0: Watermelon sherbet?
1: No dog shit.
0: Oh yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or people. Totally, either yeah, one. No, no. Yeah, probably not people either.
0: Passing on all three because I hate watermelon. <laughs> but I love that line. That like like that line is like I don't know, it's like some kind of like uh tagline for the movie or some shit. Like some people taste like dog shit. Some people taste like watermelon sherbet. I love that.
1: Next, we see Judy on the phone trying to rent a van, and she's using a payphone. She tries to give Peck the keys, uh, but Peck doesn't fall for it. I asked Matt about this uh, when we talked to him about both of these things, his commitment to cassette tapes and payphones, and this is what he had to tell us.
2: The crazy thing about that payphone is, like, there were actually like, that's on a, that's in a park somewhere. And there were actually two pay phones. And I remember I had asked my uncle like, man, like I, cause I, we really wanted, and we didn't have a big enough budget to be able to control everything, but I wanted it to be kind of a, a decade ambiguous time where like, you know, uh, you couldn't tell if it was like, it could be the late eighties or the nineties or even the early aughts, but like, I wanted there to be like really no indication, but I didn't want there to be cell phones. I didn't want any kind of new technology that would date it. Um, so I, had, I had asked him, I was like, listen, I, they don't use cell phones, but in, in a scene or two, I'm going to need a pay phone. And he actually like, they were taking, they were going to rip out those pay phones. And he's like, I can get them to hold off until like your, your third or fourth day of shooting. So if you can put it early into your shoot, we'll keep the pay phones there for y'all. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I really I mean, I love kind of uh, just kind of that that type of aesthetic. I, I hate when like, you know, new technology is infused too much into like the story or the narrative. Um, so that was something we wanted to have. We didn't want them to depend on cell phones. We didn't want them to kind of like uh, I, I, I always thought it would be funny if they just released their stuff on tape, even if it were like 2021, yeah. that they're just this kind of like this band that just can't get out of, out of their fucking way. Well, that sounds like
1: your next project is put the soundtrack out only on cassette.
2: Oh, man. So the crazy thing is, is Jeff is recording a 10 song LP of duh songs, some from the movies, some new ones with uh, like the same thing, the trading off vocals. And he's, they're going to record uh, like literally a week and a half from now.
1: Back on the road, Max and Judy are arguing over whose mixtape is better. Judy explains that hers are carefully curated, while Max has been known to put the same song on the same side of the tape twice. It's because it's a good song,
0: right? It's a good song. Yeah, no, I mean it's, they're punk rock, so it's like you know, you need like three minutes to fill in like the second side of the thing, and you just go ahead and fill it in. You know, it's right? A good song. I mean, it's a ninety-minute tape. Judy's just a mixtape fascist. I think she's just like it's on. It's gonna be her mix or the highway with her, you know.
1: I kind of wish people still cassette tapes. I I know there's a there's a vintage record shop near where I live, and that's pretty much where I buy most of my tapes now. And and they do sell blank <laughs> tapes there, but people just don't do that like they.
0: I got a box of them. You you want <laughs> a blank tape, Mike?
1: <laughs> I've got plenty, honest.
0: But no, that's a good record store. Uh, I love them.
1: Well they arrive at the house of the bassist for a band called Pissface. Pissface. Um, they've never met this guy before, but it turns out he's a hugger.
0: Yeah. And uh, Judy and
1: Max instantly have a crush on this guy.
0: Yeah, man. I hate these guys. He's uh, you know, eight foot tall with like the the nice teeth and the, the big eyes and man. Yeah. The Aquaman look there. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, who's Aquaman? Uh, apparently this guy. Yep. Oh, uh, damn, Nick, what's his name? So they're all
1: they're all in the room, and uh, Peck walks in and says, are y'all talking about blowjob eyes? So which starts nope. Max yeah. reminiscing. That starts Max reminiscing about a camp counselor that he had a fling with. Yeah. But his story gets cut off because he gets a massive boner while he's telling it.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he he saluted the flag or whatever, man.
1: <laughs> and, and you know, uh Peck is just really trying hard to ingratiate himself to try to be one of the one of the gang. They're talking about Nick and even congratulating Max
0: on his boner. He's super friendly. He's just a nice guy. He like fits in everywhere, you know. He's a, dude, he's a good he's a good dude.
1: There's kind of that. Um, there's also, you know, that homeless addict who will tell you whatever he needs to, to keep you on it, to keep, to stay on your good side so that he can keep hanging out or whatever. We asked Matt to tell us a little bit about the inspiration for Peckerhead's personality.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Peck is kind of like an amalgamation of like, I think like if you've worked in the music industry, which I have, if you've worked in in like show business, you know, like just being on set, there are like dudes like that, like whether you whether they're teamsters or whether they're like roadies or whether they're kind of like in-house people like that are just these kind of like, like you're you just wonder like what their life was because they have a story. Every everything they have a story for every single situation that you can encounter. And you're just like fast. Like I would just like, I would be like when they hold court, when these types of people can hold court and you're just like, man, I can't. And even if they're not telling the truth half the fucking time, it doesn't matter. Cause it's just like, they have these like amazing stories and these amazing lives that you're like, how were they made? Like, how was this personality forged? Um, so it's not even like a specific person. It's just like, are these types of people that I think work in the arts, and they're not even the artists themselves, but these people that help to kind of shepherd the art in whatever way, like whether it's the performance or the film or whatever it is. But Peck was just kind of like, you know, just like people that I've encountered from being on tour, like in my 20s, or like working on sets in my late 20s and 30s, just these kind of characters that just like find their way into the arts. And they're kind of like, some of the stuff that you don't get to see on screen that's some of the most entertaining aspects of why I like kind of working in in the in the field
0: that I do it's it's totally like a big bad wolf thing and even at the end of that scene it, I think it even ends on like a, the full moon like it goes to max's like goofy face and then it like cuts the full moon and then they're at the pool and it's like nighttime instantly and I, I like that it's like it's like that whole werewolf you get so fucked up you know, at night, under the moon, and then you lose it.
1: Hey everybody, Mike McDonald here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon, where you can support this podcast for as little as $1 per episode. And when you make a pledge at any level, that money allows us to make donations to film schools all across the country. It's our way of giving a little something back to the great people who make the movies we enjoy so much. So go to patreon.com cdfpod and join at any level. No matter which level you choose, we think you're awesome for supporting the filmmakers of tomorrow patreon.com slash cdf pod so they're out at the pool max is flirting with nick nick's flirting with judy and peck reminds judy that it's almost midnight
0: he does it in most way too he like he goes underwater judy and nick are getting it on you know they're you know looking at each other locking eyes they're smiling and stuff and like boom like just out of nowhere it's like hey out of the water, it's like, hey, uh, I gotta go, you know, the thing. And then you cut to the van, and then you just see Judy up against the glass, just like, fuck, fuck, fuck you, you fuck, you fucking this up, <laughs> fuck you, you know. So
1: and Peck's and just I, snoring.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> like a sleeping dog. <laughs> and I, I like, I totally like relate to that chick. It's Like, just go to sleep. Just you ruining this. Just go to sleep. That's so funny.
1: <laughs> well. She goes back inside and there's Nick. Yeah. There's Nick laying on the couch. She asked him if he he needs a shirt and he's no, no,
0: I'm good. (laughs) No, that guy needs a shirt. I'm telling you. Yeah.
1: Well, Judy ends up banging Nick right there on the couch and in the middle of it sees Peck out the, through the window Mm. and he's all in demon mode.
0: It's so weird. That scene It's like, She's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I don't need a pillow or nothing. It's like, it's like someone flipped a light switch. She's instantly naked on top of a guy, yeah. going at it, and he sees through the window. And like he doesn't see. It. He's laying down. He's having time of his life. She's panicking. It's right. full on threat mode. He's like in the bushes with his demon face, like, "Hey, baby, what you doing?" Yeah, it's it's just like, grinning.
1: It's that creepy, creepy grin.
0: And she is totally not into anything that's going on. She's just in <laughs> fight, fight for her life. But it's like, she's got to be cool because she knows what's going on. This kid doesn't. And like, he's like, I don't know their host or whatever. She cares about this guy's, you know, opinion.
1: Right. Well, in the morning, Judy wakes up and Peck has made scones for
0: everybody. Everybody's happy. They're all in the breakfast, you know, dinette area. He's like, you know, got a towel over his shoulder. He just came out with a fresh scone. They're glistening. It's moist. (laughs) Yeah, like, everybody's oh, having a good it, time.
1: It's um it's too too happy. Yeah. Peck is really excited to find out that Judy also bakes. Judy is for real over peck. Judy, you bake?
0: <laughs> we gotta trade recipes sometime. I yeah. love food. Oh, she's like, Oh man, get away from me. And like Mel's like, You really ought to eat these scones. They're the director
1: yeah and she so she does break off a little piece and taste one and god damn it they're good she
0: hides <laughs> she hides like in the in the like the laundry closet of this guy's house in the air is eating like the little confectionery and she's like moaning in the closet how good these things yeah are. she's yeah. so mad. they're so good
1: well next we're at the vfw before the show and this is where we meet Shiloh, the lead singer of Dominion Rising, the Elder Edge Lord. Kind of looks like, like Saul Goodman with a nose ring.
0: Uh, he, he looks like
1: something.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Lincoln Park. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that guy. I don't like the way he talks to people. He just he oozes ooziness.
1: Yeah, he bums a smoke from Judy and ends up pocketing the whole pack then decides he's going to start a pissing contest between the two of them, which one's more successful.
0: I hate to- <laughs> yeah. He's just, Oh, well, I've already done this. I've already done these, like three of these tours and this is how this is And I usually right. end up doing this. Yeah. You know, I, that's cool too. Uh,
1: yeah. As soon as he'll, he'll ask Judy a question about what she's doing. And as soon as she starts to answer it, he'll interrupt her to tell her how he's done it better. Just when, a now, complete jerk. Instantly hate this guy.
0: You can almost smell this guy. He smells like Axe body spray. He smells piss. like clove cigarettes. What he yeah, says. he does.
1: So inside, the bands are starting to set up. Max is still perving on Nick, trying to touch his hair. Um, yeah. Judy is trying and failing to sell their demo tapes, and she oh, discovers yeah. a box of demos is missing that's when Peck shows up and announces that he just sold the whole box dun, 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 dun.
0: in record time too like usually they sell like maybe one or two tapes
1: yeah he, he sold, sold the whole box, box in a few minutes
0: yeah like you can't get mad at that guy oh and then like some chick like comes up and like, yeah sells, buys two more
1: buys two more demo tapes yeah
0: as the actor like judy is like like struck out, like trying to sell like two or three people before he even pops up. You know, it's like, ooh, it's like a little rubbing in there, Judy.
1: So after the show, Nick is hugging everybody goodbye, except for Judy. Judy gives him an invoice for the morning after
0: pill. You go, girl. What's this? Is this your number? No, nah, it's an invoice. Invoice for what? <laughs> you know, that's what's up. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yep. there you go. Like, yeah.
1: On to the next show, and they are camping in a parking lot. Judy's ready to go to bed, but the the gang talker into letting Peck stay up with them. They'll make sure he get takes his sedative and goes to sleep well before midnight. It'll be fine. What could go wrong?
0: I know he he helped them sell tapes and stuff. I they, know they beers. They're just hanging out in the parking lot. Mike, well,
1: it turns out what could go wrong was this fucking the, metalhead.
0: This is the best part of the fucking movie. <laughs> My oh my god, man! Oh, oh my god! This part right here. This is the one. This is the scene that, like, if you if you're on the fence when you get to this part in the movie, you will be like, "Okay, I see, I see your point. I see it. I see it, and I see it."
1: Judy finally agrees to let them stay up with Peck, and as she walks away, he says, "Good night, Casanova."
0: Casanova? Oh man, really singing that shit.
1: Because after she got done with nick she ran back out to the van and peck was in the van asleep but then he says this and makes you wonder was he actually asleep
0: he wasn't asleep he he told he talked mad that he called her out and then it goes to judy going to sleep and then her waking up and they're spraying peck off
1: right judy wakes up it's morning and she can hear voices uh she looks outside the van they're laughing. and max and mel are laughing and they're hosing blood off of peck so like a, what oh. the hell happened turns out what happened was metalheads. and <laughs> this is i agree with you this is one of the best parts of the whole movie they're all sitting out uh max and mel and peck are sitting at a picnic table and is talking when this car with blaring heavy pulls into the parking lot, two guys get out with the boom box. They're
0: a boombox. Two young gentlemen with very long hair. Yes, sir.
1: Very long hair and enough beer that they're doing nonstop spit takes.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, that's how it goes.
1: And just playing death metal at full volume.
0: I don't know if it's Nitro. I don't know what the band is, but it sounds like Nitro to me. I know it's not them, but like it sounds like that. It's like just guitars just one of those
1: chugga chugga bands yes max is headed toward the van with some blankets and one of the one of the metal heads beans him in the head with a beer can and max is down
0: yeah he says some really bad shit and totally beans the guy in the head he's just carrying blankets out to his buddy because like his buddy's got to sleep out there because he's you know like part demon or whatever.
1: Well, Peck has asked these guys to turn it down, and they refused. Then they hurt his friend. So yeah. Mel tells Peck to have at it.
0: Get him, Peck. And this is the first time she calls him Peck. Yeah. She's called him Peck red up. She's like not sold on this guy 100%, but at this point, she is fed up, and she's like, get him, Peck. Yep. And he does.
1: Peck asks them to leave, and they laugh at him, so he turns off their boombox. And starts to walk away. Well, The metalheads start calling him back. And this is where we see Peck start to transform. He starts twitching and popping. And he turns around. All monster face. Uh, One of the metalheads throws a beer at him. And he catches it. And throws it through
0: the boombox. Through Through the boombox. It instantly kills (laughs) boombox. They have no clue. The world of shit they are about to enter. Yeah.
1: One of the metalheads tries to punch Peck, so Peck bites his hand off. And
0: this now, turns on the fire hose of blood. He punches he punches Peck in the mouth and yep. he just kind of catches it in his mouth and then just swallows just chomp over. down. Yeah. It disappears. Yeah. And then at that point, yeah, his his arm is like a fire hose of blood. Right. Uh, Mel and uh Max, they get drenched.
1: Peck is Peck rips the guy's face off. The other metalhead starts begging for his life, but it's too late. And Peck grabs him by the face and does a little twist twist and rips his spine out Predator
0: style. It's is the closest thing you'll get to a Mortal Kombat finishing move <laughs> before the Mortal Kombat movie comes out. This is what you <laughs> see. It is so classic. I've been wanting to see this since I was like 13 years old in the movie. And this is like, (laughs) this is like pulled it off perfectly. Like, yeah, I mean, on the budget that this guy made this on, this is so badass. Yeah,
1: yeah. They basically made this movie on a couple of credit cards. I think Matt said they had like 18 days to shoot the whole thing, Uh, and they had the special effects guy for just a few days. And it, it was, it was gorgeous. I mean, these effects. Yes, they are, they're super cheesy gore, but they really they look did look so cool. well. They look so cool. Max and Mel are just standing there open mouth being hosed down with blood by these two former metalheads. They're dead now. They're like, now. holy
0: shit. Yeah. They're like, they're covered in like blood. It's just, oh my god. It's, it's the coolest thing they've ever seen. The scene, yeah. <laughs> so you think they're laughing their asses off when they're hosing this guy down the next day in a parking lot somewhere.
1: Right. So after, uh, after they tell Judy this story, Mel and Max think it's the coolest thing ever. Judy is being a mom. Yeah. However, she her outrage at what happened is interrupted by the fact that she remembered. It's Friday. She has to call Amir about the House of Independence show.
0: Has to. No later, no sooner. You got to call that guy because, oh, shit, is it Friday? It's Friday. Well, she calls
1: Amir, who is surprised that it took so long for her to call because he's been in the office a full 12 minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amir's sitting at his desk cutting out paper dolls during this conversation. Yeah. I
0: love this guy. Like, I don't know who this guy is either. like. Everybody, they come off so natural. They're like line deliveries. Everybody in this movie, and him, especially. He plays this guy. He's like, you know, this like, you know, record guy, promoter dude, and he's like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I heard the demo.
1: Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> for low budget actors, these guys are really good actors. David Littleton, who plays Peckerhead, was had basically done stage. And not much in the way of film. Yeah.
0: Most everybody's like short films. And it's like, I can't wait to see everybody in this movie in bigger stuff. Cause you know, there are this, this is going to be that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: We don't hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, but Judy back. hangs up the phone and she's walking back, but she can't keep a straight face for long because no. they're opening for the Queef Queens.
0: Queen. Yeah, she got it. She spins. They dance. <laughs> Woo! They, they did another
1: little group bouncy hug. group hug.
0: Yep. Yeah. And oh, man. I love that.
1: Next thing we see is another encounter with Dominion Rising outside another show where they find out that they're not the headliner. That, duh, is the headliner. And that doesn't sound right.
0: Duh. Duh roll, man. Uh, you know, that sounds right to yeah. me. Yeah. These guys suck.
1: Well, Judy doesn't back down. And Shiloh explains, you're lucky I'm a pacifist." Yeah, but Flash is a super aggressive peace sign. Yeah. He's, he's that little dork who's always playing video game and watching ufc but he's never actually been in a fight so when somebody finally challenges him he's oh i would be dressed but i don't feel like it right now
0: he aggressively puts on his sunglasses and gives you the peace sign he's, he's a tool yeah he's a total he probably still has her cigarettes no nah, he gave them back but no nah, he's he's that kind of guy he, he probably got your cigarettes i don't trust that guy but in spite of everything
1: between Peck and Judy, Peck's totally got her back in this exchange.
0: Oh, yeah, man.
1: I mean, he just, Shiloh leans in on Judy,
0: and Peck
1: just lays on the horn, tells him to get his hands off the van.
0: Yeah, if you good for him.
1: I mean, he's totally got her back, even though she doesn't have his.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, that's roadies for you.
1: Then we see some performance footage. Max tries to talk again and, and fails horribly. Nobody's paying attention to him, so
0: they start another song. Oh, wait, wait, wait! No, wait. Uh, first, it's uh Shiloh hit band first, and then Doug comes out. That's a later show. That's the later show. I thought it was this one. Was like the woods. Is this the not in the one? Oh wait, what band? What uh, venue is this? All these venues are good, by the way. Like every place that they play. Right. I think, I think we right. see them.
1: I think we see him playing in three different spots. You know, there's there's the VFW, there's another show with Dominion. This is not the little roadside house show.
0: Okay, this uh, you know this is the one that has the the song that I love in the movie. I, yes, I just, this is the one that this is the, this is that song. I love this song.
1: Your love is like a chemical spill.
0: Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Don't they just they uh. That that touches you somewhere. And I love that fucking song.
1: Yeah. Max Max completely uh he starts running on nonsense at the mouth again and Mel just screams abort, abort, and they launch into another song. But nobody's paying attention to them as they're playing. And we see even though Max can't talk, he can freaking sing.
0: Yeah, no, that yeah, the, this song, like is up there, like one of the classic, and I hate when like they put bands in movies, but this this yeah this, this is exception, like every song in this movie kind of got me pumped except for Shiloh's band, well, we'll get that,
1: yeah, well, uh, Jeff Riddle, who played max he he wrote the songs for Shiloh's band as well,
0: so <laughs> wait, wait, he brought him to suck though I mean he he knows well what he's- that's true, yes,
1: Peck is sitting in the back, and he's watching this show. And he he's not cool with people not paying attention to his friends on stage. Yeah, he's so, at the
0: merch table just like what what's going on? Looking backwards yeah, and forwards
1: And we see a little vampire style charisma come through here because all Peck has to do is walk up to somebody, point at the stage and say, Those are my friends, and immediately we got a mosh pit.
0: Yeah. He's like passing people beers pointing them toward the stage getting everybody into the band right working his magic
1: matt
2: explained a bit more of what went into the making of this character like one of the things i was thinking about with Pac is there's definitely like a bunch of like like old school universal monster movie in there you know like whether it's jekyll and hyde or whether it's like just having lore about like a monster you know and having a monster that like kind of like, uh, like Frankenstein is like actually kind of sympathetic, you know, like, yeah. like he, he does, this, he does stuff that definitely is like absolutely wrong. And he definitely like acts as an antagonist some of the time. But I like that was kind of one of the things I wanted to write was a monster movie where the monster wasn't just the main antagonist, you know, like where you could create a sympathetic monster that the audience for the most part was kind of like with most of the the narrative. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like I I, kind of like I, I went back and forth because like in like a lot of kind of the criticism was that like people were really upset that Peck kind of like turns on them. You know what I mean? Or like kind of yeah. becomes the, the bad guy at the end. But I always thought that's kind of interesting is like Peck, I always saw as like some people see it as kind of an allegory for like drug addiction or whatever. And. Um, And and like Peck is definitely like the type it's definitely the type of situation, whether it's drug addiction or whatever, that it's fun until it's not like it's just like, you know, it comes to a grinding halt is like this person's really fun. But then when you find out like kind of the the scorched earth that they leave behind or just like that one night where it's just like it goes way off the rails and it's just not fun or funny anymore. You know, like that was definitely like an influence of just kind of having this this character that certainly it's definitely like very Faustian that they sell their soul. Um, but it's definitely, like, a character that that is, you know, there's a ton of gray area. Like, he's just not totally bad, but he's also not the most righteous, awesome dude in the world. Um, so it's definitely, like, you know, experiential stuff. Definitely, like, I, I think it's always interesting, especially when it comes to kind of, like, sh- not showbiz, but kind of the arts, kind of selling your soul. Like, how far are you willing to go for success? And that was definitely, like, kind of what we talked about, like, during the writing process when I was kind of developing it.
1: Afterwards the band is celebrating at a hotel. Judy joins Peck outside for a beer and tries to smooth things over with him and show some appreciation for helping them succeed.
0: Yeah, I like that scene. That was a good scene. Like they're all dancing and stuff and then like he's just out there and she like goes out and it like shuts the door and it gets quiet and they're just out there like smoking a cigarette talking.
1: Yeah. I mean, she she really acknowledges that something special happened that night, and Peck was part of the reason it did. She tries to tries to smooth things over. Next morning, they're all in the van waiting for Peck. Peck is the last one to show up. Judy grabs Max's hand and writes a message on it and tells him to memorize it word for word.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess this is her be- her best attempt at helping him not be a buffoon on the microphone between songs.
0: Also at at this point after she's had her moment with Peck on that balcony, she kinda loosens up. Like a she's lot. like we got that gig when we get back home. We maybe we won't be evicted. So what some assholes got, you know, iced on the way, you know, everything's cool. Everything's gonna be smooth. We're doing it. We're we're a band, you know?
1: Right. So Peck finally shows up and they head to another house show. Performing in front of a packed house of six people.
0: Yeah, this this is the one. This is the weird. It's like out in the woods. I don't know. It looks like it's like at a rehab. Or it's, it's it's like, right
1: on the side of a road. It's in the middle of day because you can see out the windows. It's daylight and there's traffic going by on a busy busy road. Really? Yeah. To me,
0: it seemed like I don't know. I guess it was all the uh, the, the wood because everything's wooden in this place. It's a it's a weird venue whatever it is. Yeah,
1: it it does look like a cabin. Yeah. Or some kind of hunting lodge or something.
0: It's awkward, but I I like the place. It's really pretty.
1: But I once did stand up in a venue that was a it, it was a place for basement punk shows. That's right. And, and they had a stand-up show there one time. And it was just like this. There were like uh four or five comedians and three other people there. And that was it. <laughs> there's,
0: there's no chairs. This is like just standing around.
1: Well, there was a sofa right in front of the stage. And when I say stage, I mean, they had nailed four pallets together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn man. That is punk. Yeah. It was something else.
1: Um, so it, it was very much like this. It reminds oh, yeah. me a lot of this. There's six people just standing in the living room of some house while some bands. Uh, and what a
0: shitty band, man. This, this is where that Shiloh gig comes in. Yes, this
1: is where we see Dominion Rising perform for the very first time.
0: And the very last time. <laughs> oh, and my it's, God. It's awful.
1: <laughs> this, this is why I refer to Shiloh as the Elder Edgelord, because, I mean, Shiloh is, is not a young guy. He is balding. These are lyrics he wrote, and it's just writing one emotion after another, trying to sound angsty. Yeah, it's uh, and then the chorus of that song just kills.
0: I mean, I guess it's cathartic, but you know, you should <laughs> like take that out on other people, you know, at least they're the headliner, they're just the opener, maybe,
1: right? They're the feature act in a showcase, <laughs> but it's funny. And then Shiloh.
0: They play a song.
1: They play a song, and then Max starts reading the words uh, that Judy wrote on his hand. Yeah, Ma-
0: his little speech.
1: And for once, Max gets a coherent message out, and it works great. Everything's starting to really go well for.
0: Yeah, he gets a little stage courage. You know, it's it's short and sweet, but you know, it's everybody's happy that day. It's a good gig.
1: Right. Thanks for coming out buy our merch. If anybody's got a place where we can crash, that would be into the next song. And of course, Peck, it his demon charisma, even get Shiloh and the members of Dominion rising
0: appreciating. Duh. Well, no duh. I mean, they're a good band. <laughs> they
1: are a good band. Yeah. After the show, it's nighttime all of a sudden. And yeah. a young girl offers to let the band crash at her grandma's house with another band of course it's dominion rising
0: of course it is but hey man any port in the storm you know the little piece they're gonna give you some love you you go over there you get some biscuits you know get a nice place to sleep right
1: well shiloh goes all douchebag and explains we're four men we need the bigger bedroom
0: like whatever (laughs) yeah
1: peck turns in while the rest of the band are in the uh living room watching tv
0: yeah they're watching uh, toxic avenger 2
1: and why are they watching toxic avenger 2 well it's because matt lawrence used to work for trauma
2: entertainment yeah he, we asked him about that too here's what he had to say i went to school in boston and when i graduated i moved to brooklyn to like make my way in in the film biz uh, and the first the first job I got, actually, the second job I got was at Troma and I ended up working as I mean, in Troma, it's it's very similar to kind of that micro budget on set experience where, I mean, I was Lloyd's assistant. I was running uh, the this like the 35 millimeter reels that we would ship out for midnight showings. I mean, I was doing I was writing, directing, producing, editing like the DVD feature we would do for some of the for some of the releases. So I was I mean it was kind of that thing where you had like six kids kind of running the show um, and I was just like one of the six that was just kind of like learning how like a a distribution production, whatever you want to call it chain kind of work. Um, but it was wild and it was it was like a great job to to have, but I mean, I was like deciding whether I was going to like do laundry or get like a six pack of beer every weekend. Like I, I was like dirt poor living with like six <laughs> other dudes in like, a, in like a, in a slum in, in Brooklyn. But it was, it was fun. It was like a total blast. And I think it, obviously you can see it informed like a little bit of uh, the, the, yeah. the energy that I think Peckerhead kind of embodies.
1: Uh, Judy gets back from the van with their stuff and the uh, TV has changed. They're now watching a news story about a grisly murder at the hotel that they just left.
0: He has like three um, bodies found or some shit. It's horrible. Uh,
1: yeah, a couple partially eaten bodies were found. They run back out to check on Peck, but he's not in the van anymore. Oh, shit. And when she gets back in the house, Dominion Rising have Max tied up in their room. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, they tie up the rest of the band and they're going to stop them from performing at the House of Independence.
0: They're going to steal their gig pretty much.
1: They're basically going to steal their gig. The girl who lives there comes and knocks on the door and interrupts them to explain that they need to keep it down because her grandma's
0: getting pissed. Grandma's got to go to work early. Yeah. It's not going to fly.
1: Well, she leaves (laughs) and Shiloh continues with the rest of his diabolical plan in typical uh, movie villain fashion, before I can do anything to you, I have to explain to you what I'm going to do and why.
0: Yeah, the whole time they're tied up, he's got like a baseball bat in his hand, you know, he's, you know, dialogue and he's like, he's just so greasy and shit and he's like just holding the bat, like he's like the baddest ass and stuff. Yeah. It's, It's sad. And this is
1: when Peck shows up. Hell
0: yeah. In full monster mode,
1: and Peck just goes to killing.
0: But, and this is why I love this movie, it does the same thing as it did at the Metalhead scene. It just stops. It just stops. The next thing
1: we see is Peck driving. He's got blood on his head. The young girl and her grandma are tied up in the back of the van, and everybody's silent.
0: And and he's apologizing profusely. Yeah. Everybody's covered in gore and viscera.
1: Yeah, Peck's trying to act normal in between cutscenes of the carnage. It looks like, you know, the members of the band have finally been pushed too far. And then we see Peck punch through Shiloh's chest and eat his heart and spray the room with diarrhea.
0: That is disgusting.
1: It's also the last straw, even though Peck does apologize in one of the best lines in the movie. He he kills
0: that entire band. like It was like, I don't know, something like Looney Tunes thing. Right. He shits on everybody. <laughs> Just oh. drops his pants and sprays the wall. Oh, my God. He delivers one of the best lines in cinema history.
1: They, it is. It's the best line ever. He says, I'm sorry y'all got covered with my dookie. <laughs> right
0: hell, he delivers this line. Sorrowful? I I I believe I. Believe. He was truly sorry that they were covered in dookie. Well, he, he should be, but like at least he's sorry. He showed he shows remorse.
1: <laughs> well, Judy figures out that um, Peck has not been sedating himself, and the van used to belong to a guy that Peck ate. That might have been the guy we saw at the very beginning of the movie.
0: It was most definitely the guy that we saw at the beginning, and that guy was no way a guy that was related to the writer director of this movie. Right. Well, Judy wants Peck
1: to let the hostages go, but that can't happen. Instead, Peck wants them to play the House of Independence show tonight, and then decide later what to do with them.
0: You've come too far. Right. You- that's your chance.
1: You're in the spotlight. You've worked so hard for this. Are you going to give it up now?
0: Can't let your band down.
1: Then we see the band preparing to go on stage while dealing with the trauma of what they saw Peck do. And Judy runs into her hero, Jen Jennings, a drummer of the Queef Queen. That chick is so cool, man. Uh, she's played by Shannon O'Neill, who... Did some voice acting for Bobby Moynihan's Comedy Central animated series Lofi. Oh hell yeah! She also was in the Netflix documentary How to Fix a Drug Scandal. See,
0: I see, I I knew I've seen her somewhere.
1: And the Adult Swim series Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter.
0: See, yeah, I fucking love that show, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that show's badass in its own right. I try to get people to watch that show so many times. They were like, you know, get that. And I was like, no, it, it's a really good show. You got to check it out right now.
1: Yeah, she wants to offer uh, a record deal.
0: Literally, what she was dream, she was like uh, manifesting at the beginning of the movie when- before they went on tour. it's like, this is what we're going to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Gonna- everything came to fruition. Even her meeting her hero. And her hero is so psyched to meet her too. And she's just, just, covered in shit, distraught. She's in shock. She just saw like you know a whole man get mutilated and she hasn't had any sleep. She they went from like straight from that old lady's house to the venue.
1: Right. And and her hero just said to her, Will you please let me produce a record for you?
0: Yeah, let me give you money and sign you up and take care of you for like at least two to three years of your life and like give you the best It's like and she's just like, huh, what? Oh, man.
1: It works out great. So it's time for them to go on. Well, it's almost time. Yeah, I Uh, love this
0: shot where uh, it's through the uh, door and you see Mel and Max looking in the mirror and they're so solemn. Right. They're like scared children and they're covered in shit. And Peck shows up in the dressing
1: room. Surprise! He explains that it's okay. He threw a couple blankets over the hostages. Judy kicks Peck out of the band when Peck doesn't think she has the authority to do that. Yeah. That needs to go to a vote. It and,
0: yeah, it's a democracy.
1: Well, Max and Mel are on board this time. They're ready for Peck. To- Peck threatens them, if they don't change their mind, that they will be sorry. Yeah. And he follows them to the stage. On to the way to the stage, the cops arrest the band and Peck sneaks out the back door of the van.
0: I love uh, that. There's the venue, I mean. Where it's like, the cop asks him, is that your van outside? And it goes from the cop's hand on her shoulder. And then it goes to another cut where it's like, there's no cop there. And I, I'm and then it goes back to the cop's hand on her shoulder. And I'm thinking, is that, that like her looking into her future? Is like, if she was cool with it, yeah. would they have made made it? It's like, it's, it's real quick. And then they do the slow perp walk. Yeah. And that's really cool.
1: The slow-mo perp walk. Then we cut to eight months later. The band is being released from jail following a mistrial. Yeah, you get this
0: sweet, like news footage, and they how they were tortured on the road, and this and that, and then they're coming right. out smelling roses, and they're gonna—they got the record deal, and they're gonna do a housewarming party, just getting out of jail.
1: Well, the newscast details the trial results, and it shows footage of Max and Mel in jail, but. That's- a mistrial was declared after one of the kidnap victims came forward with a drawing of the actual killer, and it's like something that somebody's four-year-old drew and put up on the refrigerator. Yeah,
0: it's like, like labeled with stinking lines. It's like, this is Uncle Peckerhead. It's, it's really fucking corny, but yeah, it's funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we get to see GMZ footing footage of Judy and Max and Mel all in jail, but they're going to celebrate their release in the same crappy apartment they were evicted from in the beginning of the show.
0: They get out. They do a little hug. They do the little uh, band dance,
1: and then they do a packed show in their own apartment. Wall to wall people. Wall to wall people, and who walks in the door but Peck?
0: Well. Does he though? Like the way they do it, it's like he's there. And then, like this is
1: awesome. I love the way this is done. Judy sees Peck come in the door at the back of the of the crowd. She looks down at her watch, and it's midnight. And then she looks back up, and it sounds almost like a crowd cheering at first, until you realize it's people screaming. And, and it's the, just her watching horrified. And you don't see what's part. happening, but you know Peck is just slaughtering their audience.
0: The music goes down. The slaughtering goes up. All you hear is like that dee-dee-dee-dee-dee that's watch sound in her face in the credits. Yeah, oh my God. That was wonderful. Best and- possible way to end this. It was. I want. It left me one more. I know I wasn't getting. I knew when I saw it. I was like, "Oh, this is man!" And he's gonna. I knew. I. I mean.
1: So when we were researching this, I went to to Matt Lawrence's website, subtletrex.com dot com, and saw some stuff that he's been working on there, including a movie that's about a young woman trying to. Make a name for herself in the male-dominated world of serial killers.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's brilliant.
1: So, before we left, we asked Matt what he's working on next.
2: I just have a ton of scripts. Like this is like Peckerhead was kind of like the the thing that it was like, man, I I just want to try and do this on our own, and then hopefully we'll get some attention from it. Um, so like. I have a sequel to Peckerhead that's ready to go. I have like a bunch of other projects that I'm ready to like run on. Like, I feel good about the script. Um, It's all about like a hate, like I'm such like not a money person, but it's about like finding somebody to give you the cash to do it Um, or finding like a a home that like isn't going to totally like, you know, like we've had people kind of inquire. And then like when they kind of like pitch it to you, you're like, oh, shit, like you fucking you're just going to, you know, you're going to fleece us. so, yeah, I mean, like, so it's we're kind of at this point where probably if, if nothing if nothing pans out in the summer of 2022, which sounds like insane to look that far ahead, but we're going to do either Peckerhead 2 or this this film that I, I wrote called Axe Girl Gone Kill, which is like a meta slasher horror comedy. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not the exact same thing, but it's definitely like horror comedy. It's definitely like a lot more meta high
0: concept. Thank you, Mr. Lawrence. You don't know how much this movie means to me. I think it's like a new, uh, I don't know, uh, era of filmmaking. And I can't wait to like see what you got coming out next. Thanks for, for doing this because, I mean. Yeah, man. We're. The six people who listen
1: to our podcast are going to love this.
2: Yeah, dude, I mean, I, I'm not kidding. The The greatest gift of, of making like a movie is like people actually giving a shit about the fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. thing, that, the thing you, that you're scared of when you're driving home at like midnight after your third straight day with no sleep is that like it's not going to find anyone, you know, like it says or people aren't going to care if they do find it. Um so like I'm I'm thank you so much for having me and it was it was it's such a blast that that you guys cared enough to invite me to come talk about the movie it, and the fact that there's six people listening I'm fucking I, I love that <laughs> it's better than zero I I'll take it and that is a podcast
0: hell yeah thank you
1: yeah we're definitely fans both of us and this has been a lot of fun watching this movie, preparing this podcast, uh, interviewing the man who made it. I have thoroughly enjoyed the- Be sure to visit his website subtletrex.com. You can find him on Twitter at YoungBull and we'll put uh, links to all of this on our Facebook page. If you haven't joined our Facebook page, go over there Celluloid Dumpster Fire and Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you'd like about it. Tell us what you don't like about it. You know, what movies, what movies you don't like? Exactly. Tell it. We need material. (laughs) And I mean, we're doing this for for us, but we're also doing it for you. So tell us what you want to hear. Hell yeah.